Hello everyone, from Brownsville far far away. I'm Aaron. And I'm Anna. And this is Hold Your Banthas, a Star Wars podcast, where we talk about things like, if two Mandalorians follow the creed and they want to kiss, do they just like bump helmets? And, is Chopper the most gangster droid in the entire Star Wars universe? Yes. Yes he is. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. You ready to get started on this episode? I think I'm ready. Okay, I'm excited. We're talking about The Mandalorian, episodes 1 through 3 of season 3 today. Let's get to it. Okay. So, I'm going to give you, I'm going to put 30 seconds on a timer. Um, Can you try to recap uh, episode... One. Also, I'm going to see if you remember. Do you remember the title of episode one of season three? <laughs> oh, boy. Is it the apostate? Yes. Good yeah, job. All right. Good, good. Okay. So you're already off to a good start. Okay. Um, so I'm going to put a timer. 30 seconds. Give me your best episode one recap starting now. Okay. So Din Djarin has returned to the Mandalorian covert, saving them from a giant crocodile. Um, and he has... St- struck up a deal with the armor that he needs to provide proof that he's he's um, bathed in the living water. So that's already the plot time for, for this episode. So he goes to different places to try to get a droid to help him, you know, explore the planet. And finally finds one, goes down into the mines. Um, and yeah. Pretty good. I, I was actually not super satisfied <laughs> with that because he didn't technically go down into the mines until the next episode. Please forgive me, viewers. That is the best that I could do. All right. But now I get to do this to my wife. So I'm going to set a 30-second timer now. Okay. And you're going to give me your best recap of the apostate. Are you ready? Wait, of the apostate? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Gotcha. Okay. All right. You ready for this? Yes. Okay, so we open up on uh, the covert, and the armor is leading a little boy through the creed, and he's going to put on the helmet, and right. he's not going to take it off, right? Um, some creatures come out of the water, and that's where Din arrives, and he saves the day. He's back on the covert um, to basically establish with the armor, like, hey, if I go to the mines, uh, can I be redeemed? So <laughs> he goes and looks for a droid because he's scared of the planet being poisoned and this is really hard in a matter of time <laughs> I, yeah this is tough man this is this was something else yeah. but i like it i like okay. it because we're stripping it to the bare bones all right let's do uh, episode two then okay all right um episode two so we have the apostate uh the last one is the convert right so then episode two oh boy uh you got this you know what it is uh, oh i do i do um, episode two would have been uh, the Mines of Mandalore. Yes. Yeah. Good okay. Job. All right. All right. I all right. for anybody listening, I I looked that up. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't gonna throw you under the bus. Thank you, my love. Um. Alrighty. So thirty seconds on the clock. Hey, don't look at my notes. <laughs> That's cheating. Okay. All right. Let's do this. Okay, so on this episode, Din arrives in Mandalore with uh, R5 in tow, and they go down and explore the mines. He finds out that the air is breathable, so he brings Grogu down with him, and he goes into the mines, but is captured by a strange creature that's living down there. Uh, so he asks Grogu to go and get Bo-Katan, and Bo-Katan runs back. 
Grogu manages to run back with R5 navigating, gets Bo-Katan, they free Din Djarin, uh, and Din Djarin finally goes to the mines of Mandalore. That Ooh. was really good. All right. That was very no good. Bad. Good job. No bad. Good job. All right. I feel like I should have gone. I'll go first on the last episode. <laughs> no, 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 because... So I can pick from the bones of your of, of, of your recap? Yeah, like I feel like I'm getting to hear your recap, ah, you know? I see. Okay. It's not fair to you. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Minds of Mandalore. Yes. So this is chapter, is it chapter 19 or chapter 18? 18, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Minds of Mandalore. All um, right. You ready for this? Otherwise, everybody will judge you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. 30 seconds on the clock. Ready? Go. Okay. So, um, I actually don't remember how it starts. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I don't remember. Oh, my gosh. I don't remember how it starts, but... Anyway, um, it's very dark crystal. No, we already went through all the dark crystal stuff. Right, right, right. Um, oh my gosh! I feel like I, I'd be hurting you instead of helping you if I told you. No, uh, I'm but, blanking. Oh, okay, all right. We're gonna pause this real quick. Um, so that episode. No, I give up. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> do I win? I have no idea that this yes, was a you competition. Win. It okay. was. It is a competition. All right. Cool. All right, you want to start on uh, episode number three then? Oh, it's because we did kind of conflate episode one and two. Yes, that was my bad. I'm um, sorry about that. Okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. All right. So, yeah. Um, I'll start on the last one. You want to set my timer? All right. Here we go. Episode number three. And what's the name of that one? I looked at it. It's The Convert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. One, okay. two, go. So, episode three, The Convert. Um... Um, it opens on, they, 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 Din wakes up at the living waters, right? Um, Bo has rescued him and, uh, she's asking him like, Hey, did you see anything down there? And he's like, I saw darkness. It's really dark down there. And mm -hmm. she's like, yeah, that's all there was down there. And that's it. Cause I'm out of time. <laughs> Gosh, the thing is, like that episode, I don't blame you so because much. there's a lot in that episode, and there's two main storylines running. It's basically there. two episodes in one. Yeah. Or it's like, uh, Din and Bo are a mini episode within Doctor Pershing. Here, episode. let's do this. Let's do thirty second timer for both of us, and let's see if we can. Okay, kind okay, of there put you go. There you go. Okay, go. Uh, so uh, you have Din's story and you have Dr. Pershing's story. Yes. Yes. So the main heart of the, the episode is Dr. Pershing, who is part of an amnesty program being run on the New Republic, which is basically taking Empire uh, prisoners of war. Kind right. Of, and right? then rehabilitating them. But at the end of the day, it turns out he's being used by somebody probably still in league with the Empire. Right? Yes. And the episode ends going back to Din and, and Bo. And Din is finally redeemed. Hey, that Whoa, was a good go. recap. That's what you call teamwork wow, right there. Wow, that was very, um, what do you call a graph that looks like this? Oh, it's uh, a parabola? Yeah, yeah. We we did great. I think, uh, well, we did pretty good on the first episode recap. You did pretty good on the first episode recap. I, I started, uh, uh, again, like mixing it with the second <laughs> one, so please forgive me. Um, we did terrible with the second episode. <laughs> Um, so, okay, so we have been waiting, how long for season three of The Mandalorian to come back? Oh, man, a year back? and a half, I think, at I least. I think so. Yeah, minutes. And we got a little bit of a treat in the train wreck. That was, that was the Book of Boba Fett. Book of Boba yeah. Fett, uh, which is really, you know, as we've 
uh, sometimes called it the Book of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it doesn't, it feels like we've been waiting, but at the same time, we, you know, we got some Mandalorian last year. Right. And I think that's what's made this season a little strange. So let's talk a little bit. So we've watched the three episodes right, of yeah. uh, season three of The Mandalorian. A new episode coming out this Wednesday. Um, we've watched them twice. And we're right now we're recording having just rewatched them. Uh, Again, yeah. So our first watch... Um, what would you say our experience was? I think, uh, for me, the first two episodes were fairly disappointing yeah. just because the, the writing was, was very akin to, um, a lot of the newer Star Wars stuff, which is not good. Um, but, uh, the third episode had some moments that moved me. So it was kind of like, I held on to the first two so that we get to the third episode yeah. and we kept... Doing the thing where we had to tell ourselves, like, not every episode has to be great. Yeah. And repeating that to ourselves like yeah. a mantra. Not every episode <laughs> has to be great. Not every episode yeah. has to be great. How many shows have we watched where it starts off, the even the first season yeah. is horrible, right? I know that we like The Office. And the first season, like, the number of times you told me you just have to get past Parks and Rec, same thing. Yeah. Uh, so then you have you have this. You know, yeah. First two episodes were not good. Third. Yeah. And I think um, that's our... That's, we're trying to adopt a motto of not all media has to be great. Right. Some of it is going to be good. Yeah. Some of it is not going to be good. But I think I will be a happier consumer of entertainment if I adopt that mentality. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, I'm trying to be less of a hater. But I think I, it was also difficult coming down from Andor, which was yes. right about the most perfect show um, apart from. Uh, the Mandalorian that we've seen, you know, the first se two seasons of The Mandalorian were very near perfect. Yeah. Uh, and then Andor, you know, almost a 95, 99 on our book. You yeah. Know, 90, really, really high up there. Yeah. So then we had some, some, but then Book of Boba Fett, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you had some, some discrepancies here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think now like rewatching, like I felt the same way with the first watch of episodes one through three. I felt, uh, you know, like, okay, this is... Fine. This is okay, yeah, right. right? I'm going to give it a chance. I'm not going to, like, just lose all hope. <laughs> but I, I think I realize now on this second watch that I think we're dealing also with the fact that we're picking up from the Book of Boba Fett, you right. know? We're not picking up from the last episode of the mandalorian we're not picking up from season two of the mandalorian right and so i was expecting them to build a little bit of the foundation for the season in these first few episodes but instead what they're doing is they already built quote unquote the foundation for this season in the um book of boba fett interlude right. or yeah. uh, intermission that mm -hmm. they had so um, you know, we, the last time we saw Din in the book of Boba Fett, he had that encounter with the armor, with Paz Vizsla. Right, um, where they finally, he was trying to train with the Darksaber, the Darksaber's not working for him, yeah. and they have a duel where he's asked, 
have you ever removed your helmet? Yes. And he has to answer truthfully yes. and say, yes, I have. Yeah. And so that's when they tell him that you are a Mandalorian no longer. And she says the only way you can be redeemed is bathing underneath the mines. He says they've all been destroyed. And she says this is the way. Right. So, so she basically says like, yeah, buddy, that's, tough luck. Yeah, that's, like, that's the way that it is. Yeah. You know? um, and then, of course, you know, we have, you know, he he went through the whole like, giving up Grogu for training. I mean, he'd already given up Grogu, right? But Grogu's training, then he's reunited with Grogu. And the last time we see Din is at the end, right? Of right, the Book of Boba yeah. Fett, where he flies off with Grogu. Exactly. And so, first episode of season three, I guess we can jump in. So, season, first episode of season three, uh, chapter 17, right. the apostate... Um, so we, um, we've watched the second time, I think we managed to connect a few more dots, which made the writing a little bit better. You know, for me, how do you feel, my love? Uh, how many points would it have gone up on your scale, I think, watching it the second time? Because I think you had expressed, right, that it, yeah. it did go up rather than down. It did. It did. Um, I would say if maybe the first time around it was at a, like, six... No. I felt the same way. Yeah, I it was, felt at, like, it was like at a, a, a six maybe. out of ten. Um, I think maybe I'm at a seven and a half, eight. All right. You know, but like, I'm glad to see it. We're actually in this, in this, we're actually of the same mind that I, I, I had already decided it's about a 60 cool. and it's gone up about 10 or 15 points for me. Um, nice. so good, good, good. Um, um, so we've already kind of recapped, um, <laughs> whether we did that well or not. I have no idea <laughs> until we listen back, but, um, Basically, in this first episode, Din is setting out on his trip, right? He's preparing for a trip to Mandalore. And obviously, um, we know from the past seasons, like, he believes or there's, like, this lore around Mandalore huh, um, <laughs> that the planet so is... Mandalore. Yeah, there <laughs> is Mandalore about Mandalore <laughs> that... Uh, the planet is cursed. Right. Um, they talk about the planet being cursed. Now, we see in this episode um, that it could be, that that could be, like, it's literally cursed or it's an interpretation right. of a planet that has been so ravaged by war, war that it has become toxic right. to right to any kind of human inhabitation. Um, so this, this, um, this way, you know, of, um, bringing us into the story was, was interesting because it was kind of like, all right, let's get back to the beginning. You know, they're trying to find firm footing in going back to the armor and reestablishing yeah. the, um, the way I think that we wanted to try this episode out, right. Was today talking about different things that we found in the series, yeah. right. And we wanted to ask each other questions. Yeah. What did you think about Din having to go back to the armor? Do you think that was a good move, a bad move? Uh, what do you, do you think that was? Personally, like watching it the sec, the first time I saw that, I didn't understand what the point was of yeah, him right. going back to the armor right. because I felt like, like, you know what you have to do. I agree. What are, what are we doing here, right? Mm -hmm. But thinking back to that conversation that they had in the Book of Boba Fett, mm -hmm. where he says, you know, like, the, the, it's been destroyed. Like, what am I supposed to do? Right. 
remind me. So he goes to the armor and he brings her this piece. I don't know what it is, but it, he brings her this piece of like jade. Right, with Mandalorian inscription. Okay, so that's what it is. <laughs> and he she he presents this as proof that like the mines are still there, right? Uh, well, he yeah, in a way, he says that he got it from Jawas, which means that somebody was able to land on the world, get gotcha, the crystal, and get out. So his, gotcha. his point okay. is like, doesn't Someone that mean that some, exactly? Okay. Right. Yeah. So, but did we at any point see that? Like, did no, we see not that at happen? All. Okay. Nope. 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 Okay. It's kind of one of those things that they say. Okay. You know? Like we don't have time for this, so let's just yeah. say, it, you know. So I think like that's my problem with it. I think it, I would have appreciated it. Would have grounded me it a little a few, more in the story. It does it a few times during these episodes where they tell you that something happened yes. rather than show you. It would have grounded me more in the story if we had seen him come across this piece and and talk to a Jawa and say, "Where did you get this?" and realize. I have a chance, you right. know, like I might have a chance. Mm -hmm. So I think like because they didn't do that, then yes, he did have to go back to the armor so mm. that the armor could be like, okay, well, then seems like you have a, ch a shot Fair at enough. this. Yeah, you know? no, I agree. I feel like there was a point. It wasn't a super well-made point, but I felt like it was a point. And also, I really appreciate um, the fact that he brought Grogu with him because Grogu is a foundling. And Grogu yes. rejected the Jedi ways for Mandalorian ways. Yes. So Grogu <laughs> is a part true. of their covert. You know, yeah. he's as I understand it, he's too young to make the decision of the helmet. Yeah. Um, it does seem like they're like preteens based on like the boys right, that or they, like they're teenagers. They're not forced to do it yeah. until they really understand what they're yeah. what they're getting into. Based on um, the age of the boy we saw at the beginning. It seems like the way is to have, yeah, the kids um, decide for themselves whether they want to or not. Yeah. Um, but it's it's great because the, the, the armor had no problem with covert with the grogu coming into the covert yeah which is really good yeah so i like the fact that we're kind of setting it up to yeah this is the way yeah you know this is the way that 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 the creed teaches us you know so grogu is 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 a part of it yeah um i didn't notice his chainmail this time around but i wasn't really looking for it so i'm sure it's probably there oh maybe he's wearing it under his, I, his, his robe right yeah because we don't see him without his little coat yeah didn't you need to find that kid some clothes yeah man. that kid deserves <laughs> some <true>. better clothes <laughs> Um, yeah, so they take off and we see a little Rebels reference, right? Oh, beautiful. Yeah, it was the, the Pergil. The Pergil yes. and the hyperspace lanes. If you guys have listened to our episode on Rebels, uh, it's a show that we're very passionate about. And as far as the character dynamics, 100%. Yeah. Like that is 100% rating on our part as far as the characters' dynamics with themselves, with each other. Yeah. Um, but they have these these beasts called the Pergil. Uh, they're like that, space whales. Yeah, right? they're space whales. They're really <laughs> really cute, very beautiful, and they can travel through hyperspace. Yeah. So. So there's this very cool scene. Like I love the scene in in this episode of The Mandalorian where it seems like Din is asleep. Right. They're yeah. tri They're traveling through hyperspace, and it seems like Din is taking a little nap. And Grogu notices the pergil and he gets a little freaked out, so he climbs out of his little pod. Very Prince of Egypt kind of situation, he, you know, when, yeah. they, when they when they split oh, the yeah, waters yeah. and they see the whale yes, kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, climbs into Din's arms and no, it's adorable. So and they land on Navarro, um, and so we have brief cargo. Now they they had already started playing this up since season two, that since they ran the empire out of their Grief Kara kind of turned the town around. Yeah. And I know we had been talking before about how that we should have brought this up in earlier episodes, how 
that particular transformation from Grief Cargo being the leader of the mercenary guild known as the, um, well, the guild. The guild, yeah. Right. Um, to being an honorable governor of the city yeah. was never really shown, just kind of talked about. And we were kind of like, is this the kind of man that he wanted to be? Because that's yeah. sure not what the first and second season. I feel like the way he presented himself in the second season was um, like... Like, I could believe that he was doing something different, right? Like, he was uh, cleaning out this town. He was kind of changing career paths. Right. But it didn't feel like I never wanted to be a mercenary. You know, like, it didn't... It was just... It was like, okay, I can believe this, you know? Just trying out a different career path. Like, cool. Yeah. And then in this episode... Um, high magistrate grief. Yeah, cargo. high magistrate with grief. With little cargo. robots that hold this cape yes. behind him. Um, it was a little, a little too self righteous, in yeah. my opinion. Like because like, it's kind of like, ah, yes, we have eradicated the evil of the empire. Yeah. Now we can all <laughs> live in peace. And it's like you were the mercenary. Yeah. Like the, the empire was like this underground rat hole. And then, of course, yeah, the rats came above ground when you when Din provoked them. Yeah. Um, but you know, you were you know the you, yeah. you couldn't use that and as an okay, excuse. And that's okay, buddy. Yeah. Like no one was judging you for it. You know, like I wasn't judging the, you for the people it. that you were you, <laughs> the people that you were bringing back with your mercenary. Yeah, that's true. But you know, like it just feels like like too forced to to that whole scene with the pirates. So, like, these pirates are trying to get a drink at the saloon-turned-school. Which that, again, just feels a little a little odd to me because if there was, if there was something to drink there, sure. But it's like, <laughs> why are you messing with this school? Like, like so, what, are you yeah. gonna, what are you getting from... Like, it was in just a case, little too forced. Yeah, in this case, like, I, I think the way that they're presenting it is these guys were looking for a fight anyway. A way to remind Grief Karga. That used to be your bar where you hired us, and now you're trying yeah. to make it like you don't That's want any true. business with us. So it, I think in, like, crime family situation yeah. where they're like, oh, no, we're, you're too good for us, huh? You know, like yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of like yeah. Godfather. I understand them yeah. coming back and just looking for a fight and symbolically looking at the school. Yeah. That scene, of course, shooting and action, you know, like it, it was well done. Yeah. But... I felt like that was the one scene where they did call the mind. Hey, this is what you used to be. We, right. We didn't seek you out. You yeah. sought us out. You yeah. hired us for yeah. murder. What did they say? Murder and, and yeah, mayhem. Yeah, she says, um, oh, I thought I had written it down. But he, I, I, I do like the pirate says something about how he's like, you paid us for jobs. Yeah, right. In, in this, this school. Yeah. You know, in this saloon turned school. And then, you know, you have... Uh, you have Grief and uh, Din kind of showing them what for with their guns and yeah. a, a, a nod to that hasn't gone out of him yeah. you know, fully. And, of course, a nod to Din honoring Grief, who's been offering him a really good position in the town that would also serve Grief Karga's benefits. Right, to have a Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. Grief Karga <laughs> wants him to be his deputy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh... Yeah, and I just, I think, like, it just could have been done, they could have done a little bit more, in my opinion, 
to develop grief's transition a little yeah. bit. And that should or, have been done in the second season, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, like it, it should have been done in the second season. Or even in this season, if they had a conversation where Din is like, wow, you've certainly changed. You've certainly settled into this life. And grief being like, honestly, yeah, I like it. I don't, you know, like, I don't miss the old life. And then talking to the pirates and being like, yeah, that used to be me. But the whole conversation was very like, you scum, get out of yeah, here. Right. And it's like, it hasn't been that long, grief. Yeah, like, right. it has not been that long. Nope. Oh. Can we talk a little about um, how vocal uh, Grogu has gotten? Yes. I really like that. He's getting to about that toddler age where he is speaking, using an intelligible, like in series of unfortunate events. Remember when uh, Sunny, the little girl, uh-huh. is like having her, they, Lemony Snicket says like it's that language that only two-year-olds understand or so Grogu's kind of getting there. He yeah. is saying stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so really like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, so do you want to talk about, okay, so let's talk about what is the reason that Din goes to Navarro? Yeah, um, and I was hoping you would bring that up, Okay. Uh, but I was making eyes at your water, so. I don't don't understand eye language My manager doesn't understand my (laughs) eye language, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, I'm not anticipating your needs. This poor employee. (laughs) Thank you very much. You're welcome. So, um, right. So, the whole reason they go to Navarro is because Din points at a statue of what could not possibly be IG-11. Like, the bomb was in that, that robot's chest. And the only thing that was preserved magically was the chest and head? I don't think yeah. so. Like, so remind me when when IG-11 self-destructs. When uh, they're coming out of the lava cave and uh, there's a bunch of Imperials on either side. And, you know, he explodes so that he can give them a chance to escape out there. Yeah. So this is at the end of Season 2 uh, when they get kind of like shake Moff Gideon's shadow for the first time. Okay, yeah. So that would have been, yeah, that would have been then and... He opens up, and he, the bomb is right here on the chest. So yeah. the fact that that and the head were the only things missing, yeah. I mean, the only things were covered, pardon me. Yeah, it doesn't to make me, sense. Yeah, plus he was, he was knee-deep in lava. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So Din goes to Navarro to, to recover. So that he can have a droid to kind of test out the atmosphere yeah. and tell him whether yeah. it's breathable and safe. But yeah. again, that leads to nothing. Yeah, and, and Din... Din famously, right, Din famously has a distrust of droids because when he was a child, it was droids that basically, like, killed his parents and, like, we, right, we see that... Right, part of the Separatist Alliance. Yeah, we see that flashback in the first season when he was a child. Right, um, second generation Clone War droids uh, fighting against the clones, or in that case, they were fighting against his, his people on, Mandal- on Concordia. No, on Concordia, right. yeah. Um, so IG-11 is basically the only droid he's ever trusted. And honestly, now that I'm saying it, like, I do think it checks with Din, like some aspects of Din's character. Din to me is a very, like, he's very straightforward. He's very like one track mind. Faithful. He's, traditional. uh, yes, but that's not what I, I don't think that's what I'm getting at. I think... Like, he's not going to go necessarily for the simplest or most efficient solution. He's going to go for what's most efficient in his mind. 
like this is the one droid I trust. I'm not even going to bother thinking about whether there could be other types of droids that could work for this. Right. He says, right, that he needs, uh, he later tells Peli that he needs a droid that's rated for spelunking. So he's like, IG-11, I know that guy, I trust him, uh, and he's rated for spelunking. I'm not even going to bother looking for anything else. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go see if I can restore him from like two parts of him. Because this is the only droid that'll do. Right. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I'll give you that. There's there's something to the way that Din's mind works that that, that is possible. Um, my only my, my big gripe is like how could they have recovered the yeah, part where it the bomb doesn't was make in. sense. But you know, okay. Say that they could, right? He has the idea that he can repair him and then they, How does that work for yeah, him? <laughs> yeah, they they come to the Anzellans, which uh, Anna uh, Anna I don't she remember saw me him. The second <laughs> yeah. that they, they were leading and I saw the tiny door, I said, Please Please not don't let these he was like, guys. Not these guys. And Anna was like, Who? And then the, they come out and you know, it's that silly part of Star Wars, which again, it's not bad to be silly, it's just you know how in all the recent superhero movies they make fun of themselves, they make fun of their own stuff, like they've made fun of their own superhero landings, they've made fun of their own costumes, of their own language, and that doesn't really work with Star Wars. You know, it's Star Wars takes itself seriously. It's not supposed to make fun of itself, you know, um, because that undermines the writing that you're trying to say. You have to have faith that yeah. people will stay in the world that you're creating for yeah. them and not be like, huh, this is so ridiculous, isn't it, guys? So the Anzellans themselves are a reminder for me of that. Yeah. They're that kind of, you know, really didn't can't understand what they're saying. Yes. Okay. So I wrote down in my notes, like Din is a known polyglot. Din knows Hatties. Hatties. Like he's been, we've seen him speak Hatties or communicate. Tuscan. Right. Jawa. Yep. Uh, and um, well, English, of course, uh, but I, I feel like he has another language. I don't, I can't remember. I don't remember any us. others, but yeah. I'm sure there are more. And the Anzellans basically are just speaking like broken English. Yeah, really. And he's making this big show of it, like, uh, I don't understand what you're saying. Uh, do you speak Hatties? And it's like, really? I don't know. Like, it was a little moment of like them trying to bring humor, and it just wasn't. It, was, it didn't it work, didn't man. Work. It, it was just not, uh, yeah, it was not uh, honoring to the writing, I think. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. So what comes out of this? He has to go to Peli to get a new robot, which is yes. like Grief himself told him that we have a bunch of good robots around here. Yeah. Droids, sorry. And so, But he goes to Peli because he trusts her. So let's assume that it's the same logic that yeah. you were saying, that he's like, no, I trust Peli, yeah. therefore I'll get yeah. a droid. Well, and he's not even going to look for another droid. He's going to look for a part oh, yeah, right. to repair IG. Um, and Peli tells him, like, they don't even make those anymore. Like, no way. And she has an R5 unit. Or she has R5 there, right? Which is what I, I'm thinking the, the whole point of this was to get R5 back into the trilogy. Now, for those of you that don't know, this is a little <laughs> funny thing that, uh, that she... The R5 that was introduced... Uh, in the first time that we see Peli, um, is the same R5 that was in the original trilogy. You know, when Luke and, and his uncle Owen are buying the droids, yeah. and this R5 unit gets brought out, and they're going to take him instead of R2, and he blows the motivator. Mm -hmm. You know? And so she 
uh, obviously bought the droid from yeah. the Jawas. Re, you know, she re, rewired him, him. She refurbished <laughs> him. And now she's giving it to yeah. Din. Also, in the books and novels, he's the only uh, droid that is Force-sensitive, R5. Okay. So I'm yeah, wondering, I'm kind of wondering That's if they're really going to cool. bring that into yeah. play at any point. Because no other droid has been Force-sensitive, yeah. to my knowledge. Uh, but it, will, it would be kind of cool. And in any case, now Din has an astromech. Something yes. that can help him navigate, which Din has never really wanted. But now somebody that can help him yeah. check surfaces. Yeah. Planets. And the only reason why he is bringing the astromech on board is because he's still worried, right? He doesn't know what Mandalore is going to be like. He's a dad now. So yeah. he's not willing to risk... His own health um, and safety. Exactly. So he needs a droid to go out ahead of him and test the atmosphere and let him know if it's, um, you know, viable or not. Um, so while they're traveling, you know, like they get all settled in and they're traveling, we did notice uh, the first time watching this, we were a little bothered by, maybe a lot bothered by how talkative. Oh um, man. Okay. Yeah. Boba Fett is... turned into just this chatty Cathy and the actor himself, Timur Morrison was like, he tried to get out of saying his lines. John Favreau had to call him and be like, "Hey, you have to say the lines," you know. And now we have Din ranting a whole spiel about what a Mandalorian should be and can be is, you know, to Grogu throughout yeah. the whole episode. Yeah. So the first time I saw that, I was like, "Oh no, are we just going to be getting, you know, like a ton of exposition right. through like Din talking when Din the first two seasons?" has been very quiet, and I think that's something that we've enjoyed um, from the writing in The Mandalorian, that there is a lot of quiet um, because we follow Din most of the time, and Din is alone most of the time, and so there's not a lot of dialogue, and it lessens the risk of over-explaining things to your audience, right? Mm -hmm. So the fact that Din is... Ex I will say, it's he wasn't explaining a whole ton but the writing did feel a little, or the the things he was saying to Grogu the first time I watched it did feel a little gratuitous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And so, what changed from the second time you watched it? Do you think? Like, what what did you feel like? Oh, okay, that makes sense. I think I was able to appreciate more that Din is in a different role now. Mm. Like he is Grogu's dad in right, this yeah. season. Like we had in the previous seasons. He was Grogu was still his ward that he was going to hand off, right? right? He didn't belong to him. He hadn't claimed him. He hadn't said, yes, this is my child that I'm going to raise. Now their their relationship has transitioned. Right. And so Din is settling into the role of dad. And he is giving Grogu uh, information, you know, about like how to be a Mandalore, a Mandalorian and right. how to... Uh, take care of himself because he tells him you know like he's explaining navigation to him and he's telling him you know what mandalore used to be where yeah. he grew up and all of that and, and i will say that uh, this also brought an interesting point of conversation which we'd love to hear your in take on uh whether or not uh married couples married mandalorians by way of the creed can take their helmets off in front of each other I think that would be very beautiful because it would mean a sort of intimacy that you're not allowed to have with anybody, not even your grown children. Yeah. Once your children are grown, I'm sure they cannot see you without the yeah without the the helmet on. Uh, and so it would be kind of cool if yeah. in the privacy of your home, 
you were both able to take off your helmets and yeah. you were able to look at each other. You know, like, to me, that would be really beautiful. Right. And does this mean that Din is allowed to take his helmet off? Because we were also saying, you know, like, what about in front of, like, young children? Right. Who yeah, haven't yeah. taken the creed yet? Mm -hmm. um, because we know that skin-to-skin uh, -skin contact for children is very important yeah, right. uh, for development. So that is something that is interesting. <laughs> you know, like... That scene in the first uh, season where Grogu reaches up to Din and touches his face, you mm -hmm. know, like, um, so if anyone out there knows the answer, uh, let us know. Uh, we'll probably look it up and we'll talk about it next time as they well. They might not even have established this lore. They might have not. Because the way yeah. is something that has just come up. You know, yeah. before Mandalorians all took off their helmets in the main city. But that's right what uh, the armorer right. said, that yeah. they all fell from the way. Yeah. Uh, only their sect in yeah. the moon of Concordia, they yeah. were driven out, I think, yeah. because of their, their mm. beliefs. Uh, but their sect right. kept to the way, so right. they never took off their helmets in front yeah. of another That is true. Dude. I forget that this is a sect of Mandalorians, you know, right. um, it's, and it's they're, nice they're to deemed see, to be yeah. more extreme. It's nice to see, though, Bo-Katan kind of come off of her high horse, uh, because as Din explores the mines... Right, he has to get down because R5 suddenly disappears. Yeah. But he realizes that the air is breathable. So again, yeah. there's one lie that was told to them that Mandalore could not be walked on. He's like, wait a second, yeah, it can. Goes down into the mines and realizes that there's hope there. Yeah. But gets trapped by some weird, futuristic A20... A24, A24, yeah. A24 type of, <laughs> you know, beast, which is the creepiest thing we've seen so far yeah. in The Mandalorian, in my opinion. This thing is weird. It wants to inject him and drain his fluids or yes, blood or okay. something like that. So like, let's talk about the creatures that we find on uh, Mandalore right. um, in this episode. We, we saw the Morlocks, which uh, they're not really Morlocks. So that's a reference to uh, Time Machine, uh, but they look a lot like Morlocks. Uh, uh, these weird... They you call know, them Amalites. Amalites, there you go. These weird radioactive creatures. Oh, I think we're clubs. actually moving into episode two now, but that's fine, right? We already recapped. Yeah. So this is episode two. Okay. Um, what, what were we missing from uh, episode one, do you think? Um um, oh yeah, Din talking to Bo-Katan and her yeah. being like, "Yeah, these are, these are the minds go." We'll we'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right, so, so let's talk Amalite. about the yeah, let's talk about the creatures. So first, the Amalites. You said that they remind you of the Morlocks. Yeah, Morlocks. Yeah. Um, what did you say that was from? A time machine. Oh okay, I I've never seen that, but um, they're very like it gave me, and you I don't think you've ever seen the Dark Crystal, but all of the you know, going into uh, the city in Mandalore um, gave me Dark Crystal, like creepy Jim Henson yeah. vibes, um, which I really liked, but it was definitely freaky. Yeah, the, the, freaky. the graphics were, were good, you know, like they might not have been the most refined, but I really enjoyed no, seeing it was good. what we saw in Clone Wars and Rebels brought to life. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, and then you have this weird creature, which I don't think we got a name for it. No, we but didn't. It, it's... Okay, I, I do have the question of why it was lying in wait. Um, yeah. You know, like, does it wait for the the those am the Amalites? Amalites, and then suck out its... its uh, their life force. <laughs> yeah, their, I mean, their fluids, really. Yeah, that's true. Um, like, was that what was happening? Um, we see again Din, Din fight against the Amalites, 
but the, the Darksaber still isn't working for him, which is fine because Sabine took a long time to learn how to use the Darksaber. Mm -hmm. um, but in this episode, when uh, episode two, when Bo, Bo comes to rescue him, yeah. she has to resort to using the Darksaber yeah. to get him free. Uh, and she handles it pretty okay. Yeah. Which, again, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's actually pretty good since she wielded the Darksaber for many years. Um, it also might have, might be why she feels uh, the right to wield it. Although this Bo-Katan is a little more humble, even than what we yeah. saw in the last few episodes, I think. The well, last uh, seasons. Sorry. Yeah. Well, when, when Din goes back to see her... In episode one, yeah. uh, chapter 17, mm -hmm. she is alone. She is like, uh, what is the word? Abandoned? Yeah. She's just like lounging on her like stone throne. Right. And it's a very like depressing scene, right? Yeah. Like it's this, the her home is this cold, empty structure. She's there by herself. She says like, everyone's... Okay, this is something I want to talk about. Din goes to Bo-Katan yep. and says, I want to join you in and your fight. To retake Mandalore. To retake Mandalore. And she's like, there's nothing to join. And he's like, oh, yeah, right. what about, what about like, your people, right? And she's like, they all left when I lost the Darksaber. Ridiculous. But this is my question. Was Din, like, was Din hoping to join her? To, like, catch a ride to Mandalore? I think he wanted more than that. I think her goal was to reestablish Mandalore, to get people back on the surface. And yes, he was going to be bathed in the living waters, but to my eye, he's like, I think this woman knows what she's talking about. Okay. And if she reestablishes Mandalore, I can go and get my covert, and we can come back and live ah, as true Mandalorians. Okay. So I do think he meant with all good intentions to, okay. to join her. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, I just didn't understand, like, the uh, the plot reasons, you know? I, for me, like, the biggest <laughs> plot hole there was also the fact that her crew would just up and leave her. Yeah. She didn't have the Darksaber before, yeah. you know, when we met her in Season 2, and yeah. they were all with her. You so know? What, what, like, what do you think could be a reason why they left her? I that think, is not really explained okay, so in this. So this, viewers, is where we write our own <laughs> story because yeah. we enjoy doing this. Actually, it's real good fun, especially my wife is a writer. So it's really fun all to have her flesh out the world for me because that makes me feel better. <laughs> um, I would say a difference of opinion. She's very hard-headed. So what kind of difference of opinion could they have, do you yeah. think? Um, I, well, I don't know. You mentioned that maybe like they've been kind of waiting for her to... Like, yeah, she was supposed to get the Darksaber back, right? Right. And she didn't. And maybe it was just like, Bo, we've been through this too many times now. Like, you know, like, this hurts. We've been through this too many times. And maybe she was still like, no, we're going to do this. Right. And kind they of were keeping like, to her, to her, uh, to her opinion of like, no, the only way we can retake Mandalore yeah. is by having the Darksaber yeah. or by having this or that. Yeah. And they're like, no, let's go do this instead. And she yeah. tells them. I forbid you, or something yeah. like that. I forbid or you from... Or what if she just, like, what if she gave up? Maybe she gave well, there up. there you go. And then they were like, this is, this is too depressing. Right. Like, given or, up. Or we, we believe that we can still make a yeah. difference. But the way that they wrote it was they were like, they've gone... What was it? Plundering or pillaging? Uh, oh, or, I don't remember that. I missed it like this time, other, too. Probably, like, other Imperial outposts, but yeah. still, like... Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. So she is called back by Grogu, who I was very pleased to see. Grogu now has enough wherewithal to securely nav listen to Din, yeah. navigate himself out of there, and go get Bo. Now, if people are wondering why he couldn't open the lock with the Force, uh, opening locks and things like that takes a lot of finesse, as far as I understand. Like, Jedi Masters had to train to be able to do that because you, you have to control the circuitry. It's not just like blasting a door open. So I can understand why Grogu wasn't Couldn't able free to free Din. Din from the from the weird Grievous. That's what he reminds me of. Oh, <laughs> he yeah? reminds me of Grievous. But he, this thing was so much creepier. Yeah, like, it is in my opinion, creepy. just because of the way that he's hunched over and yeah. the way that he walks and yeah. everything, you know? Um Yeah, and also he's a toddler. Grogu's a toddler. I think like he has the gross motor skills down, but he doesn't have the fine motor skills yet. Yeah, right. Um so um, and that's where, that's where Din talking to Grogu so much at the beginning. I think this time I, I was like, okay, like I, I, I'll allow it, All right, fair <laughs> you know, enough. because he talked to Grogu, he explained navigation and then Grogu was able to communicate to R5, like, Hey, we need to navigate back to Bo-Katan right. and they did. Um, and then, you know, Bo's like, what did she say? I said I wanted to be left alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Can we talk about Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan and Bo-Katan's uh, uh, redemption arc? Um, how do you feel? Because I, I've just been very happy to see Katie Sackhoff stay, step into this role. Uh, it sucks when you are typecast as a sci-fi character. And so she was in Battlestar Galactica for many years, obviously. So she's back to some form of sci-fi. But... I really like her in this role. I think she did great. I hope she gets to do more movies that she actually wants to do, more yeah. shows that she actually wants to do. I mean, it only sucks if you don't... I don't I don't really know. Like, I hadn't seen her before this. I was going to say, it only sucks if that's not what you want to do. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, so I personally don't know. Now, right. Yeah. yeah. I personally don't know if, like, um, Katie, like, was not into this. Um, but I like I'm really enjoying Bo's character Good. in this uh, in this season. It's not that I didn't like her before. I just think that we're getting a lot more like emotional subtlety from yeah. her in this season. Um, she was very sweet to Din, like yeah. and, and you could see her somewhat being moved by the the ceremony that he was. You know, when he finally starts to bathe and recite the creed, and you can see that she is moved in a way yeah yeah and when when she comes back to the covert you can see her being moved again you yeah. know so yeah that's subtlety i'm sorry no, no no yeah um i like you know like uh i think we talked about this like she is a good she's a great foil for din and i think it was a great choice to have Bo join din on mandalore and be the witness right. to Din taking the creed or reciting the creed uh, while he bathes in the living waters because she has this like bitter uh, jadedness right. and she's she's a complete cynic because and she talks about it was very interesting and very cool to hear her talk about how as uh, part of the nobility. Mm -hmm she and her family would perform the rites of the creed oh, yeah. just to appease the people. Yes, right. You know? She said, I, was, I, I wasn't going to embarrass my dad. And... She, she was basically paraded, right? And yeah. every, the, the people uh, ate it up. Yeah. Um, 
as she took the creed and whatnot, uh, when they arrive at the Living Waters and she's reading the plaque mm -hmm. about the Living Waters and the Mythosaur. Right. Um, just the way she delivers um, all of the lines in that scene, mm -hmm. I really enjoyed because you see uh, just how cynical she is about right. it all. Right, yeah. But and... you, you also see her start to kind of thaw a little bit at the, just the sincerity that Din has. So for somebody that has been raised to say, like, hey, this is just something we do for the masses, now seeing one of the masses yeah. perform and the sincerity of Din, I think is, my prediction is that it's going to win her over. Yeah. That she's going to accept the way a little bit more than what she called them in season two, which is religious zealots. Yeah. You know, she said you guys were a cult of religious zealots. Yeah. And I, I have a feeling that Din's going to make a convert out of her yet, you know, yeah. which the episode itself is called the convert episode yeah. three. Uh, I, I uh, really like Katie Sackhoff kind of coming out of there. Um, now for, a lot of people that haven't watched The Clone Wars, maybe you're not sure why uh, Bo-Katan would ever be an unlikable character. So she performed a ton of war crimes in the, in the Clone Wars. Just a few. Yeah, I mean, she, you know, <laughs> burned down these villages that they had taken slaves from. And, yeah. like, you know, she was part of the Death yeah. Watch. Oh, my gosh. You know, is she... Is she the one that's banked? Uh, oh my Ahsoka? gosh, that's yeah. true. Yeah, no, there's sucks. a scene in the Clone Wars where Ahsoka's like I'm basically sure Dave, taken prisoner. I'm sure that Dave Filoni's going to try to be like, "Oh, that wasn't her, guys," but that that was her. You okay, know? let's. I just need to say the Clone Wars has so many freaking scenes of people being like harassed. Yeah, dude. And it's like this is a. This is a children's show. Yeah, dude. No, it was it was something else. Like very okay. raunchy in its yeah, own way. I... Not not totally cool. And Bo herself was was uh, a pretty violent and and not a good character. She was working to destabilize her own sister's government with yeah. the Death Watch, you know, and only turned against the Death Watch when Darth Maul defeated their leader in single combat. Yeah. Uh, you know, which to be fair, Darth Maul defeated him by their rules. Of course, Darth Maul's crazy, but, you know... Uh, but also, we love him. <laughs> I mean, he's a really compelling villain. Uh, I just... So, it's not anything about the character that she is now. It's the character that she was then. And even in the second season, all she's really interested in is Moff Gideon and the Darksaber. Uh, not really in rescuing Grogu or anything else, but she does go. To her credit, she does go. So, the road to redemption for her from the Clone Wars has been slow. And now in this season, I am very happy to yeah. say that I am now a fan of her because she is thawing. And you can do you do see the gleam in her eye when she sees the Mythosaur because the legend says that what it, what it, whoever or that a Mandalorian would come that would tame the Mythosaur and bring their people back together. Yeah. Just like there's a legend about the Darksaber. I love that there are so many... Okay, that's two. Mm -hmm. But it just feels like there's so many ways that you could, like, lay claim to Mandalore. <laughs> you know, there's just a lot of options. Well, she could fight Din for the Darksaber, but I don't I, I don't see her doing I think doing she's that. just too beat down at this point. Yeah. Like, um, with the... It's just like the Darksaber has not worked out for her. Yeah. You know, she's been burned by that... Uh, too many times um i like i like the tension of the uh, i hope that there is still some like 
uh, nuance around um, the what are they what are they called? Do they have a name for this this sect of Mandalorians? They're they're just called the Way. I think followers okay. of the Way. Yeah. Okay, so um, I appreciate there being like, nuance about yeah. you know the the pros and cons right. of you know um, a closed group like that uh, because I think it's important, right? Um, and I like that Bo brings some skepticism and i i have a feeling that they're done challenging uh the ways of the way mm-hmm. um which is fine if that's the way that they're gonna go in i was excited to see din wrestle with the uh, right not being a mandalorian anymore any longer yeah really. like not being part of of his covert and I, and you know, like how healthy is this? That crisis of faith. But I also really like the fact that they brought it back to, you know, like this is the way, you know, and that tin saying like, yes, I want to show my child my face. Yeah. But also this is the way. Yeah. Like things have not worked out for me since. Yeah. You know? Um, Yeah. And uh, Star Wars doesn't always deal with prophecy. um, But when it does, it does it really well. And I feel like this one is it. Um, (laughs) The prophecy of the dark saber was that if it was taken unworthingly by an unworthy person, that Mandalore yeah. would come to ruin. Bo-Katan took it, and the Empire bombed Mandalore. Yeah. And so, you know, you have that, and it's understandable that she wouldn't want to be responsible for it. So she says, like, no, that's all nonsense. Yeah. But now the Mythosaur has showed itself. Yeah. And so it might be. It's either going to be her or Din, I think, that's going to rule Mandalore. I can't yeah. imagine anybody else. Honestly, I feel like at this point, my heart can't take it if it's not Bo. <laughs> Just like for her sake, she's been through so much. Yeah, for real. Um, but, but, okay, so I think, like, let's finish, let's wrap up talking about Din and Bo and, like, their journey to Mandalore and back. Okay. And then we can move on to Dr. Pershing. Sounds great. Um, the... Third episode we talked about was kind of the best of the three. Uh, that being said, there were some fairly large plot holes in the story of Dr. Pershing. Uh, but but we, for yeah. Bo and Din, I think the scene that most moved me out of all these three episodes, the only scene that really moved me was that last one. Mm. He is redeemed. Yeah. You know, like those words. Yeah. I am redeemed. Um, yeah. When... Um, when he uh, presents himself and she says, I am witness. Again, he presents himself to the to, covert. To the covert, right. There is lore there. Yeah. And I love lore because it makes a world believable. Yeah. And right, what do you do when you get married? You have to have a witness. Yeah. What do you do when you have most official documents? There has yeah. to be a witness. Yeah. So Bo was his witness. And not only that, quite by accident, she bathed in the waters yes. too. Yeah. And so that, that, was, last, that was a nice twist. That last scene where she is completely honest with the armor. She says, I, but I do not walk the way. And the armor says, but by our creed, she's like, we don't get to choose who's redeemed and who's not. Yeah. She's like, by have our you taken, creed. Have you taken your helmet off since you bathed right. in the waters? She's like, no. And she's like, by our creed. You are yeah. redeemed. Yeah. And this whole... Suddenly, all these Mandalorians come around her. And Bo, which has not have, who has not had that firm community, all of a sudden has a firm community around yeah. her again. 
and that the armorer tells her you may leave anytime you wish. This yeah. isn't a, you know, we're not going to kill you. Yeah. And didn't make that clear in the first season when yeah. Tara asked him. Remember, she was like, what happens if you take it off? He says, yeah. you just can't ever put it back yeah. on again. Um, I just, it moved me. Because, yeah. okay, for one, Arden is like those words. I am redeemed. Yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, um, yeah I agree. Like, can you imagine? Like, it feels like it's been, what, maybe, like, an hour since they left Mandalore? Right. We don't yeah, know yeah, how yeah. long it's been. But it could have been, like, an hour since they left Mandalore, an hour since they've bathed yeah. in the living waters. Mm -hmm. And to be asked, well, have you removed your helmet in the last hour? Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I have not. Like, to have this accidental opportunity just presented to you when that was, I'm sure, nowhere near what Bo was thinking. Like, mm -hmm. I doubt that she was thinking at all yeah. that there was an invitation that was going to be extended to her. And this comes on the heels of us seeing her home bombed, which was really, like, she, Katie, like, delivered that so well. I don't understand, like, I'm pretty sure she's wearing her, her helmet. She is. When we see, oh, yeah, because they had bathed and she hadn't taken her helmet off. Um... I don't understand how they can deliver such emotional nuance wearing these helmets. Yeah, right. But when yeah. her home is destroyed, I hate that house. Like, that house is so <laughs> ugly. But, but it, it was, was so home. sad. Yeah. Like, it was so heartbreaking. And her reaction was so heartbreaking. I completely agree. Um, yeah, and no. so her home has just been destroyed. And now she's being offered this opportunity to be part of a community, like you said. Um, I agree that that was very beautiful. And that was very emotionally... Um, satisfying. Satisfying, yeah. You know, you have... This poor woman who has been through so much and yeah. now she's being offered back a community. And, this is the way. And her response to that invitation where um, I was really surprised that when the armor says, you know, and by, by our creed, you're redeemed as well. Her response is, uh, but I don't I, follow the way. She doesn't say, no, I'm good. Thanks. You know, right. she doesn't she doesn't reject the opportunity. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like she readily accepts the opportunity either. You know, it's just kind of like, okay, I guess for it's, now to, I am to, redeemed. To, to me, it sounded more like somebody that's like, I would want to, but really? I do not walk the way. I didn't yeah. feel it that way. I, I felt it like someone who's like tentatively, I'm not ready to reject this, but I'm not also not really sure about accepting it. Like more of a, I guess I'll wait and see. If I want to leave tomorrow, I'll leave tomorrow. That's how I felt it. I think because she just came out of this and she's she's just being told now, yeah. you, you have been redeemed. Yeah. Her response was more one of doubt, in my opinion, because yeah. she's saying, you know, she says, by creed, you are also redeemed. And she says, but I do not walk the way. Yeah. So more than saying, I don't know about this, yeah. uh, like in terms of like, I don't know if I want to stay here. I think she's, uh, she's astonished yeah. that she would even be redeemed yeah. because she's saying, no, I can't be, yeah. I do not walk the way. I think that that, but there, uh, that word, but is, is kind of her suspending, trying to get the armor to suspend judgment. Like, whoa, 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 hold on. Mm -hmm. But I do not walk the way. Yeah. And the armor is saying, you are one of us until you choose to leave. This is the way. So again, always love when characters are consistent. They said that this is the way, and they did not make an exception on bo case. You know, the armorer was not like, oh, is it you? Oh, no, then no. You know, so beautiful. Yeah. 
Okay, and now we get to a completely different part of the story, which is Dr. Pershing and the whole uh, amnesty program, yeah. which is basically grabbing ex-convicts, right, from the Empire. Right, yeah. Putting them through what they call a rehabilitation school and reintegrating them back into society. Yeah. So remind us who Dr. Pershing is. In the first and second season, he was the one that uh, worked with Grogu. He basically experimented on Grogu using his blood, but he also kind of kept Grogu safe and argued for him not right. to be killed. In the second season, they capture him to lead him bleed them into Moff Gideon's ship. Right. Uh, and then from there, we yeah. don't hear about him until just this episode, yeah. where we find out that he's allowed to give press conferences about the amnesty program, how well it's worked, and he's also trying to get people interested in his research until he finds out that okay. nobody's really interested in his research in the New Republic. Yeah, so I'm glad that you mentioned that, because that was one of the questions that I had. So... A big, like, uh, the heart of Dr. Pershing's conflict in this episode is that he is a scientist at at his core. Yeah. Right. And he's been doing uh, research in cloning. Because right. that's yeah. what they were trying to do with Grogu. Um, we, in The Mandalorian, uh, is it in the second season? Uh, that yeah. there's a reveal that they've been experimenting with cloning. That's the second one, right. Um and, you know, as episode three of season three of The Mandalorian, um, you know, develops, we see Dr. Pershing, you know, talking about how his research, like, really could help people. And, you know, he asks if he could be permitted to continue with his research. And he's basically immediately shut down right unceremoniously shut down because like oh sorry like that was imperial research you can't right, do that yeah. anymore but my question was like okay well why was he giving a ted talk about cloning at the <laughs> beginning of the episode kind of like as a as he was trying to promote his research but also I, he was yeah. he, the i'm sure the face of the ted talk was how the amnesty program is working yeah you, you know yeah um so that that makes a lot more sense um and then you start to get into the life that they have as amnesty officers. He has a nice little house, but they are essentially second-class citizens who right. are being, you know, seeing if they can reintegrate. They have a zone that they have to stay in. They had the school that they had to go through. We're not even sure what that is. We know they that they kind it, of hint at it we being that a, it, an unpleasant experience. But we know that they didn't involve, involve mind flayers, though. So that right. implies that yeah. there wasn't any torture per se, yeah. even though, of course, that's true. we're not trying to compare it to um, schools where indigenous people in real life, you know, were, this is, this is, were, were forced to accept European ways. This is more of a, a yeah. reintroduction. So I'm not saying it was pleasant. I'm just saying they made it pretty clear that there was no torture Yeah, there was nothing, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, okay. So, uh, what's the name of the the woman? Uh, Eli uh, Elia. Uh, I wrote down Elia, her name. Oh yeah, you're right. El Elia. Something. Elia. Elia. I don't know. Okay, well she it's Elia something. She comes in and she. Oh, Elia King. Elia King, and she has the ability to get things from the outside, <laughs> right? And uh, and uh, okay, so talk okay, to me. Okay, so talk who's Elia King? Okay, yeah. Let's talk about who Elia Kane is. Okay, right? let me say that and then I'll ask you. Okay, okay. Um, Elia Kane was what looks like Moff Gideon's first officer, or at least she was pretty high up there on Moff Gideon's ship in the episodes of The Mandalorian. 
we were pretty sure she died on the bridge during the time that the Mandalorian stormed uh, on the bridge, but and and with Kara, of course. But um, I mean, I guess not. Yeah. Uh, so why yeah. don't you go ahead and tell us how you felt about this episode and her relationship with Doctor Parshing and how that worked. Yeah. So um, the whole the whole uh, part of episode three involving Dr. Pershing has very like experimental art house film. Like there's something uncanny mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. Um, very little music. It's very like yeah, white the, walls kind of. Yes. Yeah. Like it's a little crazy making um, the conversation that they have at the beginning. So Dr. Pershing walks into the amnesty housing and there's, several amnesty officers having a conversation. And to me, the first time I watched it, it felt very forced. I think the second time watching it, I feel like maybe that was intentional because it had that kind of like uncanny valley vibe of we're all having a great time here. Yeah, you know, right. like we love it at the amnesty housing. Mm. We love the amnesty program. Mm -hmm. um, we don't miss the empire at all. You know, like that's the vibe that it gave you. And this is where it's revealed that Elia Kane is here and Dr. Pershing is like, oh, uh, I didn't expect to see anyone from Moff Gideon's crew here. She, uh, I was telling you earlier, she gives me like, like the mean cool kid at school <laughs> vibes. That, that somehow decided to take a liking to you. Yes. And so they take you under your wing and you are like, at, at the same time, like you're, you're excited because now like the bully is, is not being mean to you. But also now you're in this dynamic where you kind of have to do whatever they say or else they'll turn on you. Um, that's how she acts towards Pershing to me. We have that scene where they're all talking about things they miss uh, from before uh, the New Republic. And uh, Dr. Pershing mentions the yellow travel biscuits. Right, and then things that, that night, they missed from the Empire, but they were, they were clear to say like not, 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 the, not Empire, the bad stuff. Not, yeah, they were like not the Empire itself. <laughs> Which was actually kind of wholesome. Yeah, I feel like it, yeah. that conversation was good. Like, yeah. Like that, that it was, was just like the, the, the tone it was delivered yeah. in to me. I was just like, there is something unsettling about this whole thing. Oh, yeah. No, that's uh, that's the way that they made it. Plus, there was no music in the background, I think. So it yeah. was just kind of like, a, yeah. Um, so, yeah. They, he talks about the travel biscuits. And later that night, um, there's a knock on his door. And there's travel biscuits. Yellow travel biscuits. Um, just there at his door. Um, and we, you know, we learned that it's Elia that left them there for him. They kind of, they strike up a friendship, um, and kind of, of his own accord, um, there's a scene that I really liked where they go, they're like, seeing the sights in Coruscant, right? They're in this like, kind of like a, a town square almost, like a city square. Right. And there's this, did you call it Mario music? There's this, like, very weird music, yeah. like, very carnival. Like, yeah. it's very, like, like high-energy, uncanny carnival music. There's, like, stands. There's a lot of neon lights. There's, like, cotton candy stands almost uh, all around. There's, like, kids running around. It's very, like, things are great in the New Republic, right? Um and Elia and Dr. Pershing are taking a little stroll and they're eating, what do they call them? Photon, photon fizzies? Wow, no, good photon, job, I, love. I wrote it down because I really want to eat one. <laughs> um, they're called photon fizzles. So we're walking around just sucking on these photon fizzles. 
And Dr. Pershing is basically reminiscing and saying, I do kind of miss, like, I miss my research. I could have done something good. I could have done something good. And I could do something good to the... For the, uh, new for the new republic if they would let me and elia immediately is Im- immediately jumps on that and mm-hmm. is like well why don't you why don't you continue your research and uh dr pershing you know uh is like i don't think i don't think they're interested in that i don't think they would be okay with that and elia like there's a good line where she says um Following orders is how we got following in orders in blindly yeah. is how we got in trouble in the first place. So I like that. I like that line. I like that whole interaction. Um, I like the dissonance between like knowing that Elia has something up her sleeve and the weird syrupy cheer- cheeriness of um, the square that they're at. Um, and this is where the whole thing starts, right? So getting too long-winded this is not a recap alaya basically convinces pershing to leave uh amnesty housing and go to the strip yard where they're where decommissioning they strip yeah yes where they strip ships. yeah not yes where they strip ships <laughs> <laughs> um and they're where they decommission all the like empire stuff right and he gets all the stuff that he needs for yes, his lab equipment, can... and she introduces herself formally, shakes his hand. Yeah. He shakes her hand, They and then they have to run away because people with flashes are chasing them. Lo and behold, the Repub- New Republic finds them, but they only arrest him. Yes, which doesn't make any sense to me. Like, right. I don't understand. Okay, We're going to get into the huge plot holes <laughs> that, this, uh, that this part has. Now... I really enjoyed the creepiness. I did. Uh, I did too. Yeah, right. We enjoyed the creepiness. We enjoyed the way that it's really complicated to rehabilitate people that were once part of a horrible empire. Like, and we have seen like in real life, we've seen that happen. We've seen it happen. We've seen sometimes it works. Sometimes you end up with you know people out (laughs) in the world that are just as evil as how they started. You know, like like you know, there's this whole. It's really complicated because sometimes the school itself messes people up. And so, exactly. like, you know, like, it's really complicated. So this touched on something very deep. I just hope that Star Wars is willing to follow up and not just use it as a point of entertainment because this is actually a really important subject, I feel. Um, but let's let's dive into the plot. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Rip them up. So, okay. So, our theory, right? And, and it's not even like a theory. It's like pretty obvious that uh, Elia is somehow like we're, we're supposed to understand. We're supposed to think that Moff Gideon is still alive somewhere, right? Because at the beginning, there's a conversation about like, oh, whatever did happen to Moff Gideon? Right. Oh, there's all these rumors, but none of them have been corroborated. Right. Yeah. So Moff Gideon for sure is alive somewhere. Elia is probably connected to him. Yep. And, uh, well, that's what I think, right? I agree. Is connected to him and has been tasked with, or of her own accord, is trying to get uh, these materials that Pershing uses uh, back to Moff Gideon. To continue the work that they were doing. Exactly. Presumably, to tie them back to the the sequels. Right. uh, Which is to somehow clone Palpatine again. Right. Um, But... They are in amnesty housing. Right. And okay. we're, we're given to understand that they're not allowed to leave a certain parameter. Right. 
Number two. My thoughts are, if you are investing so much time and money into, quote unquote, reintegrating these people mm -hmm. into the new republic, how is there no curfew? Right. How is there, like, Coruscant, I think, is notorious for being very big brothery. Mm -hmm. I don't think that changed in the new republic. Nope. But there is no surveillance nope. at all. No microphones, no cameras. The the most surveillance they have is on the freaking train. Just because they like <laughs> they they didn't buy a ticket. You know, like that's the biggest crime they committed. Right. And that's the reason why they start getting chased. Obviously, later we find out that Elia actually like ratted him out, right? She set him up. At what at what point does she do that? Who knows? But so that's the one plot hole. Three, actually. Okay. No, three. Okay. So, like, how are they not being surveilled more? Right. Like, how yeah. are they not having to check in? You know, right. like, I think at the least, I don't think, I think, like, they're trying, the New Republic is trying to keep this image of, like, no, we believe in you. We, we're not going to do that to you. Mm -hmm. But I, so I don't think they would, like, track them. Yeah. I'm okay with them not tracking them. But I think at least a, you check in at, a certain time in the morning, you right. check in at a certain time at night, you know? I don't agree with, like, not, they're not being, and not with you, the, the, with the show, not, they're not being security cameras. It's like, oh, really? Yeah. Really? No. In a in a colony of, of reintegrated, <laughs> you know, war criminals, there's not going to be exactly. any security cameras? Is, I, I don't think so. It's so strange. Yeah. So then you, they're on the ship. Pershing grabs all his little lab supplies. No security around the ship. No, the no security. There's no one to be seen on this shipyard. And uh, they just walk in like nothing. The lights are still on, though. Oh, yeah. The power yeah, still the works. Yeah, the power still works. Um, and he's grabbing all his stuff. And then when... <laughs> Another thing that I thought was really funny is when they realize that they've been found. They're running around with their flashlights. <laughs> basically, like, showing little beacons of, like, where they are. And I can't believe, like, Pershing... It would have been really funny if Pershing turned off his flashlight and he told Eli, like, turn off your flashlight. And she was like, no, I can't see. But it was like her like right, telling to tell them where they so, were. Yeah. Um, but no, they didn't do that. So then they walk out, they grab them and they're like, Dr. Pershing, you're under arrest. And Elia walks to the side of the officers and Pershing's like, what? But before she walks to the side, but, what does she, she do? Yes. She grabs the freaking case of lab supplies. Now, where did that lab case go? Was she allowed to keep it? How is an amnesty officer allowed to act like a regular <laughs> the bars are officer? So loud. Yeah, no, like that's fine because, like, how is an amnesty officer allowed to take that? That is not her property. That goes to the police. It's exactly. not like the police uses an informant and then they're like, "Ah, oh, oh, good job. Yeah, you can you can hold on to that. Take that to the evidence locker for us." No, a police officer goes and he grabs the evidence, and yeah. he, or a detective goes and you know, like, but no, she grabbed it and yeah, walked out without it. a "How do you do?" Yeah. Um, and so he's like, she set me up. She set me up. So then we're back at, uh, the, the compound or whatever. And, uh, Dr. Pershing is in a mind flare machine. Right. Really good scene. I really liked it. It's because so it's, creepy. Yeah. It's really creepy and very well done. That kind of like, we're not the empire, son. Yeah. You know, but like the, the machine, the technology is the same. And he, and the way that he keeps talking, you told me, you said something, you said that his voice is perfect. Yes, his voice is perfect. It's so like old timey, like, 
um, I don't know. There's something about... You'll see some flashing colors, feel a yes. little discomfort. <laughs> there's something about um, like <laughs> horror movies or like psychological thrillers set in like the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the vibe that he, that that man was giving me. Uh, or that, you know, um, the doctor that's um, conducting the... What does he call it? He's It's a gentle... Uh, experimental therapy. And he's like, I've partaken in it myself and found it quite relaxing. Refreshing. Oh, quite refreshing. Um, we understand and, that the indoctrination by the Empire is a hard thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's really good. I wanted you to get closer to the mic so you could actually pick it up. Um, but yeah, that whole scene is great. Like, white walls everywhere. You know, like, everyone in their lab coats. <sighs> and but, then you have a, another ginormous... Uh, plot hole she is sitting behind she's at the controls (laughs) when would an amnesty officer ever be given that position they weren't okay so earlier in the episode pershing is uh being asked to destroy imperial research and he tells his supervisor like why are we destroying this this is perfectly good research and his supervisor is like uh yeah but it's imperial like we have to destroy it unless i guess you could submit this form Although I've never seen an amnesty officer even submit so a form. That already tells like, you that they are viewed as... They don't you know, get like, any authority. Yeah, yeah. You don't get authority. She is the one running the show in yes. that... In, in, that the, <laughs> in the control room of the Mind Flayer. And, and then <laughs> all the doctors and the staff walk out of not only the room that Dr. <laughs> Pershing is on, but the control room as well. They and, walk out of both rooms. And in, which, by the way... If you've never had a medical procedure done, that's not how that works. It's yeah. What were you saying? You're like for an X-ray, like you would never be left alone in the room. Yeah, like in an MRI machine, yeah. like sometimes you're put in there by yourself because of the magnetic um, output. You know, from the machine is fairly strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the person behind no. the, the, the glass is still there. You know, like that doesn't make any sense. And then not only that, but so. Aliyah, right, is um, the the person in the control room that is like administering the the mind flare. He's mm-hmm. talking to Aliyah, and he's like, you know, you did the right thing. Like, I'm sorry about your friend. I'm sorry that he's still obsessed with the Empire. Right. And she's like, well, you know, like he's a good man. And then he's like, we should we should walk out. Like the guy in the control room is like, we should we should leave him to it. Yeah, like, right. This is gonna be a while. He'll be fine. And she's like, well, you know, he's still a friend. I'd like to stay. And he's like, you know, pat on the back. You're you're a good friend to him. Um, the fudging so controls right in front of her. <laughs> yes. So they they all walk out and they leave her there. And of course, what does she do? She cranks the knob. To 11. Yeah, right. Eating a biscuit the whole time. Yes. And so then the last scene is her, like, just chomping on a yellow travel biscuit. And honestly, we were saying, she played the role. She was great. She, she was. fantastic. Yeah. Like, she's a great villain. Good actress. I, yes. I like her a lot. Uh, um, but it's just like, how in the world is everyone so naive here that they're just letting her do whatever the heck she wants? Yeah. I. You know, I will say this, though. Kudos to The Mandalorian for... Uh, zooming in on her face several times in the previous seasons because that did kind of hint to us that she was going to become somewhat more important um so uh, honor where honor is due but that that whole scene was just ridiculous yeah that was just 
What? Yeah. And I think I would have enjoyed, like, I can definitely see her being someone who charms her way up the ranks or into special privileges, access to different, you know, areas that she should normally not have access to. But I wish we'd gotten to see that. You know, I wish we'd gotten to see, like, well, you know, it's not total, it's not actually protocol to allow you in here, but... Since you've done so much for the amnesty program, right. sure, you can stay behind a few seconds. Like, an acknowledging of we're letting you into spaces that you shouldn't have access to, I would have appreciated that. But there's literally no explanation for why she has so much access, so no, much power, so much freedom. There really isn't, especially because the Alliance has proven that they have a system in place for dealing with these people. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it, it just uh, big plot holes there. Yeah. And it, it's such a waste of opportunity because I feel like the, the episode was just creepy enough. And I actually compared it to Andor at some point because it was slow and they were fleshing out the world. And that was really good. Yeah. And then they, they just kind of they went a little bit off the rails there. Um, but OK, let's wrap this episode up with um, what your why don't you tell me something that you imagined or that you see that you're hopeful for in this season or maybe something that you you have already written differently in your mind or something along those <laughs> yeah. lines something that you really can run away with joy from yeah. these episodes so i hope i think my hope is that these three episodes have set up what we're going to see for the rest of the season right i hope um that they don't introduce any more plot lines Good. um that they don't introduce any more major characters Good. i think we have enough with Din, Bo, uh, Grogu, and Pershing, and Elia. I have a feeling Pershing's, Pershing's, uh, Pershing's role might have been you done. You think he, so? He might be dead, yeah. Or, oh. or if not dead, at least brain dead. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's likely. But at least Elia, I guess. Um, or Elia, I can't remember how they pronounce it. But um, I hope that that's, that's a two... Or three plot lines we're going to follow mm-hmm. throughout the season. Because we're already three episodes in, you know? Like, I don't know how many... I haven't actually looked up how many episodes are slated for this season. Um, but, like, that, this is already... If they're following the conventions of the past seasons, we're already, like, a fourth of the way through. Right, at yeah, least, yeah, yeah. Right? Um, third. Fourth. Third or fourth of the way through. So, um, I want to see uh, Din... And Bo mm-hmm. uh, becoming, uh, I don't want to use the word integrated because we use it so much for the amnesty program, but settling into or struggling to settle into mm-hmm. covert life. Right. Um, I don't really know like what else do you think? Oh, but we have the mythosaur. So they're definitely going to go back to that. Do you think they're going to go back to Mandalore? Oh, well, because now the covert knows that Mandalore is is yeah. li- breathable yeah, yeah, yeah. and livable. I absolutely yeah. think that so they're going to go. Yeah. So I I would love that. Like I would love the idea of like seeing what it looks like to go reestablish themselves on a planet that has been abandoned because like yes, it's uh inhabitable is that the right, yeah, right. term? Yeah, yeah. But habitable. the habitable, it is habitable. Um, <laughs> but the types of creatures that we saw on Mandalore 
also kind of, I, I did like that it set the tone or it painted a picture of how rough it's going to be right. to really settle on right. the planet because those are some rough creatures. Right. You know, like it tells you that like you have to be really tough to survive on this planet at mm -hmm. this point. And Bo says that the Amalites used to live on the wastelands. Right. Uh, like on the far side of the planet or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, so that the, the fact that they moved into the ruins of the city tells you, oh, so this is a wasteland, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that'll be really interesting. Um, I want to see a little more, like, slice of life stuff. A lot, a little more, like, emotional. World building. Emotional. Uh, character building, maybe? Uh, conflict. Okay. Like, I want conflicts to be a little more interpersonal. Okay. And emotional. Uh, between Din and Bo and the Covert and okay. them trying to establish uh, hierarchies right. within the, you know, the settling of the planet and stuff. And I want to see what Elia is up to. Like, right. I want her character to be done, like, given a good season, you right. know, like, um, because I do think she's interesting. Cool. Yeah. How about you? Um... One of the things that I've, I'm really excited for is for them to slow down enough to show us a little bit more of the lore of the way. Yeah. And seeing the way honored and upheld. Yeah. Uh, I really like the ceremony. I was very, very mad that they interrupted Din's, uh, oh, okay, uh, Din's rewashing ceremony. Oh, yeah. Uh, so in my mind, if we could have that repeated, I'd really appreciate mm -hmm. it. Just because, like, we didn't need that action. Um, it would have been cool if he had finished, taken another step. And then fell, fallen in, yeah. you know, um, because I really feel like it would have added so much gravita to the to the moment to have uh, Din finish that uh, that particular ceremony. But I, I'm looking forward to a lot that the way and Mandalore is honored, that Bo kind of comes around to that, that Din finds his own place and. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see what he's going to do with the Darksaber. Just because he hasn't conquered it, my hope is that he does. But maybe it wasn't meant for him. And even though that'll make me a little sad that he didn't conquer it, that's fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's what I'm most excited about. I'm hopeful that uh, Disney will make good on the rumors that they're going to scrap the sequels. Uh, but the way that this is going, I don't think that it that's seems possible. Like it seems like it yeah, together, they're yeah. going to tie it together Um which is real disappointing, but what can you do? In any case, I hope that The Mandalorian itself stays its own great show and that it pays homage to um, all the characters that have uh, really come to life under the writer's hands. And that, um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm hopeful. The first two episodes, I was ready to give it up. I swear, I was like, nope. And this last one, I was like, okay, all right, let's see where this goes. So yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us. I know this was a long one, but we've been away a while and we had so much to talk to you guys about. We're so grateful um, to be a part of the Star Wars community with you guys. If you have any comments or questions or anything you'd like to add to our episode, don't hesitate to send us a message or to... Uh, yes, send us a message. You can send us a message on Instagram. Um, we also have a Twitter, but we're not really on it very much um because i have to set boundaries with twitter yeah there you go <laughs> um and we have an email address banthaspod at gmail.com um it feels like almost old school to use email but 
it's useful, guys. So it's on there. Plus, we um, have listeners from overseas that listen to our podcast. So that might be even a good way of yeah. of getting to us. Big shout out to Stephanie and Demetrius. Love you guys. Um, yes. Yeah, so thank you, everybody, for being patient. Uh, I know it's been a really long time since we put out an episode. We are experimenting with uh, different structures. So I think we're getting a little bit better organized and we're hoping to yep. have, you know, a few more episodes, um, you know, in the coming weeks as well. So without further ado, I'm Aaron. And I'm Anna. And this is Hold Your Banthas. Hold Your Banthas. Bye, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by The Holonet. A glorious Emperor's only approved broadcasting network. May his rule never end.